In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, I'm Horticulture Week editor Matthew Appleby, and today I'm with renowned plantswoman Claire Austin, who has recently written a book called Peonies, a personal collection of 350 species, which is perfect timing as they're just coming up right now. But to start off, Claire, am I right in saying you're the only retail nursery that also has a pub on site? I think we are. Yes, I'm sure we are, though it's been closed most of last year. And uh, as our business has grown so much in the last year, I'm not quite sure how we're going to cope with reopening it. But we have to talk to our furloughed staff about that. No, there's so many changes that have been going on in the last year. Everyone's rethinking their businesses. But anyway, let's get back to the book. Can you tell me a bit more about it? To begin with, what's what's the big appeal of Peonies? Uh, well, the, the appeal of writing a book is um, was for me was because I've had nearly 40 years of growing them. Peonies themselves are have cr- increased in popularity over the last few years, mainly for the cut flower because of cut flowers. I mean, the, the uh, Dutch grow hundreds of thousands of them. And so the, the uh, cost, the actual cost of a peony has come down quite remarkably. Uh, I was buying plants the same price I can pay now 30 years ago. So there's a lot more on the market. There's a lot of new varieties on the market. They're more expensive, of course, and different types. So apart from being big, blousy, colourful, they're um, long-lived, easy to look after, etc., etc. Um, the availability is one of the reasons that has they've grown in appeal, really. No, fantastic. I mean, I think they're a fantastic plant. I can I grow them in my garden and I find them really easy to grow. But have you got growing tips um, for professionals? Uh, be careful. If you're going to grow them and put them in containers, be careful about what you grow. Um, we've discovered that there's a peony called Mother's Choice. Great name, lousy in a pot. Uh, it just, just it, it rots off because peonies are susceptible, particularly in pots, to peony wilt. 
So um, we spray them maybe, you won't like this, but we spray them about three times a year with um, rose clear. That's uh, the best way to stop the fungicide. In a field, it, you don't need to bother, but it's the containerizing, it's watering overhead. So perhaps if you don't want to spray, make sure you water from the base. Same with roses, really. Okay. And what about your favourite peonies? There's um, a wide selection to choose from in the book, but can you pick out one or two? Uh, if I were to suggest them to the beginner, I would actually choose ones you don't have to stake. So the shorter growing ones, um, there's there's little little species one called Peony officinalis anemone flora that doesn't flower for very long, but has lovely foliage. Um, quite a few little species, though they they are expensive and less popular. Uh, the intersectional peonies or ito peonies, which are crossed between the woody tree peonies and the herbaceous peonies, are brilliant. They actually uh, are easy to grow in a container, though you need a big container. Uh, they've actually got quite a high um, uh, RRP on them, so they're quite good value and they have lovely foliage and they look really nice, big, big blousy flowers. So those would be my advice as to varieties. For an Ito peony Bartzella, something I'm just trying to think what's readily available. Um, I personally like uh, things like Laura Dessert, although that's just lost its AGM um, because they've all gone through the AGM. The AGM list is actually quite a good one. The Royal Horticultural Society should be um, uh, publishing it soon. It is actually out now. It was out February. So there's a very wide selection, but don't go for ones that need staking, particularly in a container. Ah, oh, yeah. What about for the, the head gardener who wants something a bit different, something a bit more specialist? Is it, have you got anything which, you know, will really stand out from the crowd? For me, um, in my garden, uh, what we call the hybrid peonies are we have a natural collection on them. They're early flowering, spring flowering. They're crosses of species and crossed again. And I and that's where you get the yellow ones. So yellow, single, herbaceous peonies. And peony moonrise is one of my favourites. Absolutely glorious. Lovely uh, glossy green foliage, big decorative buds. And then for a lactiflora, and those are your general cut flower peony, I love peony myrtle gentry. Again, this year, a plant I planted three years ago, or last year rather, probably had about 15 flowers on after three, four years. It uh, was stayed upright and was fragrant. So you've got a lot in those, just those two varieties. And uh, Again, if you look at the intersections, you could go really extreme and do something like the single reds. So peony unique, which looks more tree peony-ish um, but it's absolutely delicious and the, the foliage it's a single red the foliage is dark so it's a great contrast between foliage and flowers okay and in terms of breeding what's next on the horizon or brand new uh well there are more intersectionals coming and the, the intersectional peonies really only came onto the market in the ooh, late 1990s so relatively new quite a few of them are being propagated in Canada, uh, not Canada, Canadian company, but in the US um, as uh, microprop because they're clean. And there's quite a few different colours coming through now, a second generation of those. So <clears throat> still extremely expensive, but they're, they're going, I hope we're going to break the yellow, red, white, pink barrier, um, although they are multicoloured. 
and just introduce more shapes and sizes. So I'm hoping the intersectionals will be the next ones to look at. Brilliant. Now, talking of generations, going back a generation, you're obviously from a famous gardening family. Can you tell us a bit more about your family in case people don't know? Oh, yes, I, I, I uh, started working with my father, David Austin Rose, back in 1980. He actually, his business had only really taken off then in 1982, because prior to that, he he was a struggling rose breeder, nurseryman and farmer. And I, um, I worked with him for... 15 years, 16, 17, a long apprenticeship anyway, um, and started uh, my own company uh, in 1999. And I've moved nursery um, three times since then. That's extraordinary, but I have. <laughs> well, it's an, it's an amazing background, a really sort of renowned family there. But uh, now you've moved three times and you've got quite a sort of hybrid business. How, how have you coped during lockdown? I guess a lot has changed. Uh, didn't really for us, uh, apart from a year ago in April when suddenly our orders went up something like six times and we knew there was something going on. Um, uh, we kept the same staff, but the business overhauls all settled to be treble what it was the previous year. Um, stock was a bit of a trouble to get hold of, but I've always had good suppliers and, and great um, relationship with them. So we managed to sort out most things. So up up till probably February, we were coping pretty well, but now stock is incredibly short due to COVID and spring, and nobody had any plant has any plants left over from last year, and nothing's really rooted yet. Not even our stock because of the cold April. Um, but we we've coped really well, and the staff have been brilliant. So yeah, we've had a good team spirit, and very pleased. We managed to buy a new van and we're building new stock beds so um we're optimistic after after everything six times growth so uh, did, how did you manage to keep up because a, a lot of retail nurseries suddenly that increased in um demand meant that they just could, couldn't keep up with the packing even yeah well that was a bit of a problem luckily my um my son sort of oversees our website he doesn't do it, but he has oversee it and he was up here escaped from london and uh, we just put a stop on it to um, limit the number of orders per day. And it did take us quite a while to catch up. I mean, even now we're later, it's taking longer than we normally do. Um, but we had to limit the number of orders and that seemed to work well. And, and, they, and the customers are incredibly understanding. Have you seen that increase in demand continue into 2021? Uh, I think we're probably double what we were in uh, 2019-20. So we're not complaining. I bet. And what about going into next year when, you know, hopefully things get a bit more back to normal? I have always found throughout all my years in the nursery business that whenever there has been bad news, depression, things going bump, horticulture always does well. and. Um, that is a, a general rule of thumb. And I have never found that once we've gone through an uptake, it's gone back down again, unless I've made some stupid mistake like move nursery. Um, it's uh, <laughs> No, it's uh, always maintain itself after that. And, and as long as you have good customer service, you hopefully and you keep on top of it and you always make mistakes. You can't ever do everything right. Uh, I've not, never found in the last 
37 years that business has decreased, thankfully. good news. Now earlier on you mentioned the pub and being open to the public and obviously that hasn't happened in in recent times. Has that had much effect on the business? No we were just beginning that was the problem that's been our big problem. We opened it uh, two years just over two years ago and it was already closed so we had to build the business up. We were getting there and um, a year last March we were thinking right yes right we're on the right line. And then, no, it all stopped again. So uh, it, it's a sort of, can we face starting again? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Oh, crikey. Well, I, I know that the, I was talking to Jekka McVicker about this. The government didn't recognise retail nurseries in the same way as it recognised garden centres as essential retail. So retail nurseries basically had, weren't allowed to open to the public in the winter. Um, and they've just reopened in April. And um, this seemed a bit of an oversight by the government because they said, you know, retail nurseries can't open because they sell plants, but garden centres can open and they sell plants. So um, what do you reckon about that um, sort of conundrum, Claire? I found that extraordinary. It's, um, Wales was even worse because we weren't allowed to even open garden centres. Um, I, I just couldn't see the point of it. And I think it's a total lack of understanding of what nurseries are about and how little um, they were not exactly somewhere where you're going to wander outside and inside in a greenhouse, especially. It, it is about plants on the ground. And I, I think it's the maybe it's our fault as nurseries not to explain that to uh, to the powers that be that actually a nursery is a totally different type of setup to a garden centre and actually much safer. Uh, so I, mean, I must admit, I, I, Wales was actually worse than England. So <laughs> I can't, I, I can just say, I throw my hands up and put my eyes, eyebrows in the uh, air. And so thank, thank, thankfully we've gone back to normal. Have you got open days planned? Uh, we have an open day planned in June for the uh, National Garden Scheme. And I think we'll just play it by ear and see how we cope, because um, at the moment, the the stock is going in and out so quickly. Um, we, we, I'm very reluctant to put any more stress on uh, the plant sales, but um, certainly happy to have customers come and look at the nursery and the peonies when they're in flower and the irises. Uh, so we'll wait and see how we get on with it. Maybe add a few more days afterwards. Excellent. We'll look forward to that date. Um, and what about shows? I've bumped into you at many shows over the years, both trade shows and um, consumer shows. Have you got any planned? No, we sort of gave up shows about two years ago whenever I did last Chelsea. I, I could see that the um, the takings, the cost of doing them versus the income was going down and down. Um, the days of when we used to stand at Chelsea with order books um, filled full of orders had long passed. And a lot of the shows, particularly Chelsea, has become a sort of place for you to bring your Japanese tourists to, who of course can't buy anything. Um, so, and it really is just an exhibition rather than a show. Um, so I sort of lost a bit of the the love really with shows. So I'm, I'm 
And what we've done by giving up shows is to be able to focus on the mail order. I've just I've done everything, done shows, done mail order, done wholesale, done garden centres, nurseries. And I feel the best thing is to focus on one aspect of the business and do that to the best of your ability is the way to succeed and to grow your knowledge and the way that then you can communicate with the one customer because each 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 different type of way of selling a plant has a different customer base. Very rarely, if somebody loves nurseries, they often will not buy mail order or they're disappointed with mail order. Um, so there's, there's lots of different ways of doing it, but I, I feel that we'll just stick to mail order for the moment. And what about Chelsea in, in September? It's going to be in September this year, the first ever autumn Chelsea. Do you think that will work? Well, it would be lovely for people who grow chrysanthemums and dahlias and asters, but I do wonder how other people are coping. But I do, I've heard that um, uh, there are bulb growers going to try. Um, I'm not sure about roses. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Whether the customers will want to, or the visitors will want to go is another matter because. Uh, by the time you get to September, the schools have gone back. I suspect there will be a lot of older people going on holiday if they can. So it might um, might be quite difficult uh, to make some money from the those from Chelsea. I think not so good for Irish growers either. Impossible. I suppose. Um, so <laughs> what, what, <laughs> what have you got going on with your irises at the moment? Uh, the iris. Well, I'm uh, having grown irises as long as I've grown peonies and moved nursery I've discovered the irises I grow here I can't grow as many bearded ones but I am doing a lot of crossing so I've got a lot of seedlings in the ground so um, which are actually looking fantastic so I'm trying to find um, two seedlings that will actually multiply up in a heavier clay soil clay loam soil because um, we can grow sibiricas and things the, the non-bearded types uh, but the bearded, which are the, the plants that customers really want, are more difficult for us, having grown them previously in sandy soil. So um, we struggle on. We've got some. The slugs are terrible. <laughs> That's the problem because uh, it's such a damp soil. And uh, so we'll, we'll see how we get on. But I've had to re-choose the plants and not grow so many yellows and pinks because they just do not grow in our soil. Okay, well, I very much enjoyed the uh, Peonies book, but um, looking ahead, um, what, what else have you got coming up? Uh, any more books, anything like that? I think my husband would kill me if I do another one yet. It's, I mean, that was the lockdown project and it was seven days a week, although I didn't start it till October, although I had written all the descriptions and taken the photographs for years before. Um, although I'm sort of thinking, oh, maybe I could redo one of the Iris books in a similar mind, set in a sort of similar way. So <laughs> I'll wait and see. No, I look forward to that. And there are any more plans to the future just to finish off? Uh, I've got um, a very nice Alcamilla mollis, which is variegated, uh, truly variegated. It doesn't go back to green, which seems to reproduce very nicely as Alcamilla does. And I've got a wonderful short persicaria which both I were, i'm hoping to introduce in the autumn so we'll wait and see both are vegetatively produced so it's a matter of time and patience with those then we'll wait and see 
brilliant, a bit of a glimpse into the future. Well, thank you very much to Claire Austin for taking part in the Horticulture Week podcast. And thank you very much for listening to the Horticulture Week podcast. I'm Matthew Appleby, and make sure you never miss a Hort Week podcast. Subscribe to or follow HW Podcast via Apple iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Thanks again. Until next time, see you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.